Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Feldman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thank you for joining me for another wonderful conversation. This show is really dedicated to the healing expansion of consciousness, to the transformation that we are all going through right now. And it's always so uplifting for me personally. I, I just love the opportunity to have these conversations with my guests and to really support all of us as we go through these times of what I believe are expansion of our consciousness. So this show really is dedicated to providing you with the inspiration and the encouragement. And um, as Sometimes we even offer you meditations and experiences that will support this journey of healing and transformation and self-love, which is the true true journey for all of us. So today, I have the great privilege and honor to have as my guest, Ellen Goldberg. We're going to be talking about the art and science of hand-reading. And um, before I bring Ellen on, I just want to share a little bit about this amazing woman, Ellen Goldberg, who has uh, a master's, is both master's of her MA. <laughs> I'm not always sure what MA is. In psychology. Master's in psychology. Oh, thank you. Is both a psychotherapist and a mystic. An intentionally renowned teacher of tarot and palmistry, she maintained a private practice and, hol- in, uh, and holistic psychotherapy practice in Manhattan for over 33 years. In her own journey towards wholeness, she has investigated many paths, and this has made her a rich resource for others. She knows from experience that you can change your way of being with yourself and being in the world. Ellen is the author of the best-selling book, The Art and Science of Hand Reading, which is based on her 40 years teaching palmistry. Published in 2016, this book won the prestigious Coalition for Visionary Resources People's Choice Award and for the best book published on divination that year. Teaching is her passion. She is the founder and director of the School of Oracles, which is now online, which you can find out more about at schooloforacles.com, where she offers 100-hour certification courses in both tarot and palmistry. Ellen has been on the faculty of the New York Open Center since 1986, where she has taught tarot and the Western Hermetic tradition, including such classes as tarot and Kabbalah, tarot and alchemy, tarot and archetypes, and the Cup of Receptivity, Developing Intuition with Tarot. In addition, Ellen has taught at the Omega Institute and at many New York Open Center Esoteric Quest conferences in such cities as Prague, Czech Republic, Florence, Italy, Granada, Spain, and at conferences in Greece, Germany, and the Library of Alexandria in Egypt. Wow. So, we have a pretty amazing conversation and an amazing woman who's going to be bringing so much light to us today. And Ellen Goldberg, thank you so much for your time and being on The Love Code today. Oh, I'm delighted. Thank you for the warm welcome. I appreciate that. You know, Ellen, you've had quite an amazing life, I have to say. Uh, You've been on this incredible journey and uh, learning for yourself and then having this gift of being able to then bring this to the world and to your students and share this inner, this, inner, this wisdom of the ages um, that uh, you are renowned for. So it's, it's so exciting, isn't it, to be able to have access to such wisdom? Don't you find that amazing? You know, Sarah, we do not know as we are growing and becoming exactly who we are evolving into, or the various things that fate will send our way to turn our path this way and that. So it's an interesting surprise sometimes to see, oh, this is who I've become. This is what I do. And, well, I consider myself blessed that I've been given an interesting life, one that is fulfilling and that 
allows me to be of service in this world. Well, you're you're so prolific, and I'm, you know I know you're writing a new book now, and you're doing all this teaching and traveling. It's um, it's it's truly fulfilling this great work that you've come into the world to do. And I I always like to ask my guests more about their journeys. You know, we we see this this fullness of your work that you're sharing out into the world. But how did it all begin? <laughs> what was your journey like that brought you to this amazing career that you have? I'm a very fortunate person, Cheryl. I could have just been, and of course there is nothing wrong with just being this, I could have been a suburban mom with kids living on Long Island instead of a mystic who is having these experiences out in the world. But here and there, life prodded me. And one of them was when I was about 26 years old in a relationship broke up, and my then suddenly ex-boyfriend moved to California, I said to myself, well, I'm going to have an adventure too. And I went on my first travel abroad and flew uh, directly from New York to Athens and took one of the first boats I could get out to the Greek islands. This is my first experience away from home. And somehow fate brought me there because on one of those Greek islands, I met someone who taught me the I Ching. And the I Ching is that, oh, at least 2,000, maybe 3,000-year-old, more likely, uh, 3,000-year-old book of divination from China, uh, meaning I Ching means book of changes. And uh, when you learn to, to use it, and the amazing thing is you can learn in one hour, suddenly from a girl who was not particularly spiritual, my was like made a hundred degree turn and I saw that there was a higher intelligence and that this intelligence liked to communicate. And it said something to me, you know, when you can th- use three coins or you can use yarrow sticks, but I'm of the three penny variety eaching user. And... um As soon as I threw those coins, someone guided me through my first use. The passage it chose to give me was so incredibly appropriate, I said to myself, my goodness, you would have to know me many years to say something exactly like that to me. You'd have to know me very well, be able to look right through me. And I thought, My God, if this exists, what else exists? And when I came home from that travel and I got my own copy of the I Ching on that travel and was using it every day, I came home and when that ex-boyfriend said, can we get back together? I said, no way. I was on a new journey and it has never stopped. I just wanted to learn one thing after another of what was part of the uh, mysterious and the transcendental, the magical in this world. And it turns out that fate was kind because I was good at these things. And before I knew it, I was the uh, teacher uh, at a at a little mystical school of pumps. They made me the assistant to the teacher in the palmistry class, and a month later she moved away, and suddenly I was the teacher. And I scrambled. I was only 29 and working as a social worker, uh, something I was trained for. I had gotten my bachelor's in social services and uh, liberal arts, and here I was now almost ready to go get a master's in social work. And instead, 
I was introduced to the I Ching, and I could not stop learning about all of these different mystic systems. And later I went back for a master's in psychology, but I feel that I was guided and, um, yeah, I feel as though I was guided and that fate took a hand in how I would develop by introducing things to me that fell on such fertile ground. And I think that's for many people. Absolutely. And it's uh, always fascinating for me to hear people's stories, how they, you know, we begin life and we, you know, go to school and go on to university, look for a career, and then things happen, right? And things happen and um, exactly. they lead us to our real d- direction and purpose in life. And it's, uh, sometimes it's, you know, serious illness and sometimes it's a trip to the Greek islands. And you just never know how the soul is guiding each person. Um, you know, I totally, you, yes, I've seen it also for many, many people. Yeah. And, you know, the work that you do, you know, starting off as a social worker and doing your uh, psychology work, psychotherapy work, you know, the real psychotherapist is the one who is the mystic, who works, who is able to use tools like the I Ching and the Tarot and uh, palmistry to get into the real essence of a person and their journey and their process, right? I mean, that to me is, I think, ancient tools that have been used to help a person find their way in life, find themselves. Oh, oh absolutely. And now, not every school of psychotherapy is going to recommend this, but there are many psychotherapists like me who are kind of spiritual psychotherapists or mystics and psychotherapists. And I do the astrology chart every time. Well, now I've retired after all these years as a psychotherapist, and I just do readings and I teach. I my because I'm in my uh, late seventies now. I my task is to train teachers to send out there in the world, and so I have a school, the School of Oracles, and I have students because I want these um, mystic arts of tarot and palmistry, the two in which I am uh, masterful. I want them to be taught and to continue to be taught in a really deep way. So I love them. The fact that there is magic in this world, that there is, there are things written on our own bodies. The hand tells you more than you could ever dream about yourself. And we call it God's roadmap because it shows you, um, so many things about who you are, how you would be happy, what kind of work you could do, certain things that are sort of set for you, although nothing is totally set in stone. And if you change significantly or see something in the hand that you don't like very much, you could work on it. And when you change the dominant hand changes also to show you the work you've done and what that has accomplished. So how far back do you think hand reading goes in time? Oh, I bet it goes back till the, I think it's one of the earliest of the arts. First of all, look at all those cave paintings from 25,000 years B.C. Those cave paintings done between 25,000 B.C. and 15,000 B.C. Um, In Spain, the hands that decorate the murals along with the pictures of the bison or the various animals that were part of their world and part of their hunt, they signed everything with hands. They knew early on, that something was unique and special about the hand. So I think people have been looking at it 
you know, just like, how did we get all this information about astrology, which is one of my other subjects? And um, people observe and watch. And these observations take thousands of years. We're the beneficiary now of many thousands of years of observations that have been tested. So the hands are so fascinating. So I guess the first question I want to ask, and probably many people are asking as well, what is it about our hands that can provide that kind of knowledge and guidance and insight? What goes on that creates hands to be a roadmap like that? Well, Cheryl. Just the fact that you and I have language and consciousness, this is in itself a a miracle that we can communicate like this, that we can think and observe. And everything in this universe communicates. And if we took a look at the body we would see that so many parts of the body are like a miniature in and of itself that gives so much information about what's going on. For instance, an acupuncturist can find the entire body on the ear. Mm -hmm. An iridologist can tell you about the state of every organ more than you would ever want to know, baby. Just from the iris of the eye. They'll know where there are problems or tumors or this or that, even in potential because they'll see little special dots or folds. If you learn how to read signs, everything is speaking. And the hand is just one part. Well, the hand is very special because it tells so much. And um, happily, we have two hands. And the recessive hand shows the qualities given at birth. And the dominant hand changes every time you change and shows now and into the future. So um, we can always see where someone started, where they may have even more potential than they've used or things they've overcome. Uh, It's marvelous to compare both hands, it's marvelous to compare the hand and the astrology chart. This is a special pleasure of mine because they will be saying the same thing but in a different mode. And it shows that what the universe gave us in the hand or in the chart was not just by accident or happened to be, oh, they're born at such and such a time, No, they have so much in common that you see that all of these things were intentional and that our soul is on a journey and that we have gifts that we brought in with us, we have challenges we brought with us, and that we are here to learn things and accomplish things. You know, it's so uh, profound to think that everything is talking to us about ourselves, right, our hands our eyes, you know, the parts of our body. Everything is talking to us about us and and who we are and how to become more of who we are in this lifetime. Exactly. Everything supports the journey of self-discovery and growth, right? Becoming our potential, exactly as you say. So I was just going to say, Ellen, since we're um, we're audio, we're not visual, <laughs> it would be easier if we had mm-hmm. a conversation. I could see you in a video and we could go through the hands. But considering that there are things I'm sure you can um, help us to experience just by guiding us with some of the features of the hands that – are, you know, are obvious, like length of the fingers. Maybe we can start giving people oh, some insight. I'll be happy. 
Yeah, good. For That's instance, um, yes, if, if you look at uh, your hand, say look at your palm, which is, uh, you'll notice that sometimes uh, there are wonderful pads all around the palm. And each one of those pads is called a mount. So we think of the hand as a map and the the paddings under each finger and uh, along the bottom of the hand and the sides. There are seven of them, and they're named for the um, for the astrological uh, planets, uh, the seven planets of the ancients. And, I mean, it really is kind of mind-blowing to know that if you are a, for instance, a Sagittarian whose ruling planet, every sign has a ruling planet, and Sagittarius, the ruling planet is Jupiter, there's a 90% chance that the amount of Jupiter on your hand, which is under the index finger, is going to be full and round and hard. And um, the same goes for the ruling planet of whatever your sign is. Also, your moon sign and your rising sign. You're going to find those top three in astrology, the big three, I'd say, with the sun, the moon, and the sign of the ascendant, the sign that was rising at the moment on the horizon when you were born, um, you're going to find them, sure enough, well-developed in the hand. And I love knowing that it's not just chance that your hand is shaped this way or that way, but that the universe has a whole theme of reflecting back to you your own nature, because self-discovery and self-realization is really the name of the game. And um, understanding the hand, this is the tool that life gave us. Um, I do not know always what to call the divine, but I love uh, one of the names I heard, and it was the being with a thousand names. And so however you want to call it, God, goddess, the divine, you know, Lord, uh, great mother, it doesn't matter. We know that there is something intelligent, And in some amazing, miraculous way, because this universe is a genius, it knows each one of us. And each one of us, if we are fortunate enough to be able to partake of a consciousness of um, of the amazing magic of life, and to investigate and see what does that chart your astrological chart, reflect back to you. And you will see that it reflects things that you know very, very well. And then it will throw into the mix a few surprises to show you places where you could develop. The hand shows you where your mind is fertile, what parts of... The hand is really a map of the brain, actually. And... um there are more nerves between the hand and the brain than in any other part of the nervous system except for one, and that's the heart. There are so many nerves between the brain and the heart, but otherwise the second is the brain and the hand. And every thought that we think has a chemistry to it. You know, if you think a I have a frightening thought. You're walking down the street and you see a strange shadow and a little burst of adrenaline. Just right away, that flight, uh, fight or flight response just is going. And even if you notice a half second later, oh, it's just a plastic bag caught on the branch of a tree. Um, it doesn't matter. The chemistry has shot that 
energy, that adrenaline, all through you. And the same is true of feelings of love and pleasure. Then the other kinds of hormones, the other chemistry just can flood you. And every thought, even if it's very subtle, has a chemistry. And the terminus for that chemistry is the hands. And the thoughts that you think, when when the Buddha said, with our thoughts we make our world, we will also say, with our thoughts we make our hands. The hand is a reflection of the brain that is animating it because it has sent so many impulses and over time that has created the shapes. Change your thinking and your hand will change. Change your thinking, your life will change. And of course, the hand will change as well. Uh, Considering that it is so remarkable, I use the word magic perhaps a little over much, but it is so magical that we think and we communicate and we're walking around and we put on matching socks and we are, have friends and lovers and children. And it's so amazing. And why can't almost anything be possible since this, out here at the, one of the spirals of the Milky Way, uh, here we are having these amazing experiences. Why shouldn't we be given something? All things come with operating instructions, but not us, or so we think. And yet, they're printed on our bodies. We can learn so much about our health, our weaknesses, uh, when we can act, when we have to put in more effort, when we can just sort of glide and appreciate things. There is a world of knowledge in the hands. We were not put in the universe alone to just figure it out. Learning, I always thought we should teach high school palmistry and that young people should be taught to read their hands um, when they're in junior high school and high school so that they can have a system of self-guidance their whole life long. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> you know, amongst many Wouldn't other things. Right? Right. So, so you said the... Um, the, so we talked about the two hands. You said the, uh, there's the dominant hand and the recessive hand. Is that how you use it? The dominant hand is the hand yes. that you, like you, you know, the what you write. The hand. Exactly. Right. So, now, for people who are ambidextrous, they have a little more challenge, and you have to uh, look at those two hands, and you'll compare them, and by asking questions, I can see what hand to use for which lines or the mounts. So it's a little more challenging, but most people have one or the other hand dominant. And so um, that's the rule of thumb. Read the dominant hand as now and into the future and read the recessive hand as the qualities given at birth. So when you do hand reading, so you're looking at the shape of the hand, the lines on the hand, the mounds, the length of fingers. This is all critical information, right, that that you know how to yes. decipher. Exactly so. And that's why I wrote a book on it with my uh, very dear friend and one of my best students ever, Dorian Bergen, on the basic uh, writer of the book. Um, that's why we wrote a book that is over 500 pages long, and that's a big, oversized hardcover, not a little. Uh, you know, there's a lot on every page. There is a lot to say about hands, but to learn about it is one of the most fascinating things in the world because to read people's hands gives you insight that would might take you six months or a year to learn about someone, and you learn it in five minutes. 
So can we can you take us maybe through something that people can relate to? Maybe uh, we talked. I mentioned a little bit about the length of the fingers because I think you've talked about that um, as well yeah. in some previous uh, videos I've seen. So what? Tell us about the fingers. Okay. Well, fingers. Can I? First of all, there is a. There are short fingers for a hand, there are long fingers, and then there are some that are in perfect proportion. When we look at hands, the first thing I want to look at uh, is to see if I can see a leading, a padding within the hand that looks like it is larger than what would be considered the average or norm for a hand, because that shows me a part of the brain that is especially um, fertile and from which the person is going to have a lot of characteristics, a lot of um, things that they like to do. But those archetypes, these seven basic types, are modified enormously by a whole slew of things in the hand that I call the basic modifiers. And one of them is the fingers. Because, for instance, not only can fingers be in relationship to the palm, long or short or average, medium, just right, but they can be smooth or they can be knotty. They will have fingertips of different shapes that we would learn. And all of these things... Uh, modify the archetype. For example, short fingers, and you know, people may be listening to this podcast and wondering, uh, oh, what kind of fingers do I have? Well, your own eye is trustworthy. We have a natural sense of proportion. Um, we look walking down the street, you see someone and they look like they've got uh, short legs in relationship to their torso. Your eye knows that. Your eye knows if someone has longer than average arms or shorter than average something because our eyes are, have this natural ability. We've seen so much. So, I'd say, trust yourself. If you look at your hands and you've always thought, God, I have short fingers, you have short fingers. If you have thought, oh, my goodness, my fingers are long, trust yourself. And if you haven't thought of it one way or another, they're probably just in the middle and in an average proportion. When we study hands, what we are always looking for are the things that are not the average. Average is good. It will give good support to whatever is found in the mounts in the hand. But those stretching it from either very little or very much of something on an extreme, they form the unusual character, uh, the unusual uh, personality characteristics, for instance. People whose fingers are short, the shorter the fingers, the quicker the mind. People like to think in big uh, terms with short fingers. They think fast. They see the whole picture. They don't want to be concerned with all the details. And uh, especially if those fingers are smooth, because smooth fingers, fingers are like antennas, and smooth fingers allow the current of life to enter those fingers, come into the hand very quickly, very easily. When fingers are knotty and have those little bony protuberances, the little knots at the joints, the top joint or the bottom joint, um, it slows the current down and it makes people analytical. Short fingers go very fast and long fingers, they like to take their time and don't you dare rush them. They're careful and very particular. And so we have just in a few little characteristics, are they smooth? 
Are they short? Are they knotty? Are they long? You can mix those about and get all... Someone could have long, knotty fingers. They love to take time. They love to analyze. The top knots, the ones closer at the joint, closer to the, you know, the top phalange or uh, nail phalange of the fingers, that's the knot of mental order. And And those people are very analytical. The bottom knot closer to the actual palm between the second and bottom phalange of the fingers, those are the knots of material order, and they like to be orderly and uh, have a lot of uh, practicality and common sense. And sometimes people have just one knot. Sometimes they have all just mental knots or all just physical knots. Sometimes there's only one knot on one finger, and that really is going to stand out. There are many things that one can learn about the hand, but the thing that I think is great fun, Cheryl, is that any little thing you learn, you can use. For instance, if you decided, I have... um, I have a hundred free videos on YouTube, and that's a nice way to get started. Fifty of them are on the tarot, more or less, and fifty of them, more or less, are on palmistry. And each one is a tiny, miniature, but concise and true um, course. They're only five to eight minutes each. and then, of course, I have a course for which one pays tuition, and then each of those topics is covered for an hour and a half to two hours. But it's amazing. Some pe- people write me from all over the world saying that those little courses have been the basis of their studies. And um, I recommend them. People can Google them and learn all kinds of things about the hands and when you, anything you know, you can help people to, um, in a number of ways. People love to have themselves reflected back to themselves. It confirms things that they know. It awakens them to the magical aspects of life and how the universe is trying to support us. And um, sometimes it tells us interesting and surprising things that we may have suspected but not really known, like about certain talents we have, because each of us has things where the brain is so fertile that if you just go a little bit into that area, it will open for you like a flower. And so um, it's nice to have a guide that says, Why not try this? You'd be so good at it, and you'll love it. Or, look, here's where you're really weak. If you want to do this, get some support and don't go there alone. And the hand is always trying to make it so that we have an easier time in life and can use our energy and our time in the best way. We already know it's how amazing it is and the fact that we have an opposable thumb, meaning we have a thumb that can purposefully put pressure between any of the fingers and hold things and use tools. This is what differentiates us from um, other species of life. This opposable thumb is part of the secret of our development uh, as uh, Homo sapiens. And we can learn so many things about ourselves. We we already know the hand is a marvel. But we can triple how marvelous it is when we see that it's also a communication device for self-knowledge and revelation. Well... I'm looking at my hand, and can I ask you something? Uh, When I look at my hand, I look at those mounds. This is my dominant hand I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those mounds Mm -hmm. that you've talked about. 
there's one mound that seems to be bigger than the rest. So can I ask you about it? Absolutely, Cheryl. Which one is it, and where is it located? It's, it's under it's under the ring finger. Um, it's under it's like between the ring and the little finger, but I guess it's more mound oh, yes. that's under the. Well, that mound, which is the Mount of Apollo, and um, is often a double mount with a little indentation. Can you see when you look at your Apollo? that there are two little matching mounts, almost matching on one between Apollo and the pinky and the other between Apollo and Saturn. <clears throat> Can you see that it is a double, what we would officially call a double bifurcated mount of Apollo? Well, the one under the the, the mount of Apollo is much bigger than the one next to it. <laughs> that would be the Saturn. Oh, so yes. I don't know if it's and bifurcated or not. Well, does Apollo take a look again at that ring finger and see you you located that there is a padding sort of almost between Apollo and the pinky. But can you see a part it may not be quite as large but almost just on the other side of the finger? Can you see yes. it as though they were two matching little pads with an indentation, like a little valley in between the two mounts? Yes, I can. Great. Then that, since you know that it seems much larger, uh, that it's significant enough for you to notice that this is different from the others, then I'm going to say you may be primarily Apollonian. So I would love to see your hand in person. And when I read for people from afar, I send them instructions on how to send me just right photographs of the hand. And we go back and forth until I have what I need. Um, but you can see that there's almost always one or two mounts that are more unusual or larger than the rest. And if one of yours must be Apollo, that gives you, um, well, Apollo was the sun god. And so, therefore, it helps to give you a sunniness to your disposition and a creativity because Apollo had a lot to do with the arts. He was indeed um, the head of the muses were dedicated to Apollo and um Therefore, people like yourself may have a number of uh, creative arts that they are naturally gifted in. Are you, uh, Cheryl? Well, I would say uh, I I would say writing because I have I have several books, and so writing has been one of the mm-hmm. creative expressions for sure. And then, and then and the podcast, being able to have conversations, delightful and enlightening conversations, uh, that, that's a lot of fun and, and easy to do. That's right. And Apollo can speak to almost any kind of person and group of people. If you, uh, I hope you have a copy of my book and then read about the Mount of Apollo and you'll see that one of and I, we're in each of these chapters on the different mounts. Uh, I talk about certain personality traits that you will find. And one of Apollo's is that they can talk to almost any group of people and fit in. You could probably have conversation, a good conversation, with just about anyone. And that is also an art. Absolutely, that's the true. writing is that, an art. I would, I would say that's true, Ellen. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And you probably have a big appreciation of all the arts. Even if you don't do them, you probably love them. And I wouldn't be surprised if your eyes are very sensitive to light and to color. Um, yeah, I would say so. Color is very important, for sure, in my life. Because these are things that Apollo rules. 
and um, like and and Apollo rules the eyes. So and uh, creativity. You may need to have a good pair of sunglasses to wear when you're out in the sunshine uh, because of the Apollonian sensitive eyes. Whereas I, who am more Jupiterian, I'd never. I don't even think I own a pair of sunglasses and um, go about in the sunshine. It's wonderful to see that the hand can tell us so many things. For instance, now that I know that you have Apollo, I know that you love change and that you need a certain amount of change in your life in order to be happy and um and that you need uh, a certain kind of freedom in relationship that um and that you may have a good number of relationships over the course of your life since Apollo loves variety and do you want me to answer what that one <laughs> yes oh, I, please you know do. you know what's 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 really what's really spot on um from what you just said, Ellen, is um, this need for um, travel and change. I, I thrive mm-hmm. on that. You know, I, the one thing that drives me crazy is to be bored by doing the same thing or or staying in the same place or going down the same road all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, ex- you know, it's exploring, exploring new things. And different archetypes. Uh, have different needs, like Saturn, the mount under the middle finger, which is nicknamed the flat mount because Saturn likes to repress things. They love things to be the same, and they would get out of bed on the same side every day. They would take the same route to work. They could have the same, you know, routine for years. They could put the furniture somewhere when they move in and never ever over 20 years change it, where Apollo will be making changes and experimenting all the time. Yeah, so, so interesting. Each, it's so interesting. Each archetype has a whole slew of life preferences that go along with it. And when we learn a hand a little better and we see the two leading archetypes, it's like a recipe. What is it like when you put these two together or those two together? And that helps even further to refine the type, not to mention long fingers, short fingers, big thumbs, little thumbs, pointy fingers, that's with tip fingers. There are so fine skin, medium skin, coarse skin. See, when you press hands to see if they're elastic, whether they bounce or whether they're hard or whether they're flabby, um, there are so many things that give us information and modify. And since there is no one way to be, uh, but all that matters is that we know ourselves and become the best version of us that we can be do as much evolving as we can, but really just to be who we really are. That's all that life asks of us. And, well, life has given us so many different signposts and uh, and so much help in doing it. It's a wonderful and fascinating adventure to begin to learn how to read the signs, whether we learn astrology, which tells you vast things about an individual, or to read the hands, or to use the I Ching, or to use rune stones. There are many ways the universe will uh there are many modes, better to say, that the universe has to guide us and to chime in. Of course, not you know, the least of which is to sit in meditation and listen for your own inner voice because we all have deep inside a voice of wisdom uh, or what is called sometimes the still, small voice 
which is different than our louder, everyday thinking voice. There is a quiet voice that you have to be quite still for, and then it will make itself known. Because, I mean, the journey, the, the journey of life is to know oneself. Right. That's really that's really our greatest I purpose. Think so. If we if we want to be fulfilled in life, and if we want to be able to um, find the way to uh, to fulfill the the greatest sense of well being and satisfaction, we have to know who we are, and that's the journey. It's just so obvious to people like yourself, 100%. right? That everyone has come in, and we have a journey, and we go through our ups One and downs. If we... Yeah, go ahead. Please. Uh, oh, I was going to say in the ancient times, there was the great oracle at Delphi where people, kings and emperors would come, much less lay people would come just to ask questions of the great oracle. And what was written over the entrance to the oracle at Delphi? The words, know thyself. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's why what you're doing is so profound because the tools that you have perfected, have mastered, and that you are teaching, and it's, by the way, it's wonderful to know that you have posted so many teaching YouTubes that people can go and begin to explore this journey of the tarot or hand reading, um, and, and thank you for doing that, Ellen, so people have access thank to this. You, but these were the, these are, you know, these are such ancient tools that can help help make our journey easier because we become more enlightened and knowledgeable about our strengths, our weaknesses, the lessons we're here to learn, so we can um, uh, take on these gifts that are available to us through the experiences of life. And uh, that's why I'm really attracted to these tools, and I have been for you know most of my life, Ellen, because how, uh, how wonderful, Sarah. You know how how beautiful that we can get insight when we have access to these resources and people like yourself. It makes life so much life easier. Gets better. Exactly. It does. There is, you know, you know, there are wonderful things at every age. And I'm so glad to have experienced many of them. None of us experience everything, but we all have an opportunity to get a good share of life experience. And by making use of these tools and the wisdom by reflecting on experience, learning perhaps to think philosophically and making use of the wonderful tools that the universe gives us, we actually do get wiser and happier and more uh, we can have more inner peace and wisdom as we get older and then we can be a help to the generation that comes after us and that is a real pleasure I like that I'm 77 and now I am an old wise woman Mm -hmm. and there is something good in every stage. You know, I, I just remember the times when I've been through what we call the dark night of the soul, right? Where things were mm-hmm. um, so so confusing and so much, you know, painful experiences. And that's when I would get so much value from astrology specifically because it would give me a context to understand the journey that I was in and that it wasn't going to last forever. But while I was in this space, there was learnings and healings and, um, you know, deep transformation going on. And that gave me the, the strength to carry on to get to the other side. Oh, I so agree. It's done the same for me, Cheryl, to know, okay, this is just a transit, or this is a year, or here's my Saturn return, and of course, the lessons I'm learning now, you would say under a Saturn return once every 28 years, um, 
are the lessons my soul took birth to learn. And then you accept them and look at the problems in a different way. Everyone is an opportunity to move forward in your evolution. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yes. Tell me so, what sign and do you know your sun, moon, and rising sign? I do. I do. I am a Taurus with uh, moon and Libra, and rising is Capricorn. Oh, great Capricorn. I'm Capricorn rising, too. And uh, um, so uh, your sun and moon are both Venus-ruled signs. Uh, Venus uh, rules Taurus, and she rules Libra. So I bet in your hand there's going to be a very nice full ball of the sun in your hand because it should be reflected there. Um, Can you see that the ball of the sun, which is the Mount of Venus, that big giant muscle that moves the sun, is full and round? Uh Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Well, what's in the planet is going to be in the hand as well because they'll never disagree. And Capricorn, of course, as the ascendant, that sometimes tends to flatten the hand a little bit uh, because it's ruled by Saturn, the great repressor. But I love being Capricorn rising and uh, because I like to have my a little privacy and distance from the world. So, although you are very, I would say, based just on hearing this, although you have a great deal of warmth and love to give um, to your fellow human beings, you are so happy when you finally get to be your hermit self and just take time <laughs> to be alone. Yep. You, you, you put the... <laughs> Now, um, hit the nail on the head. You know, Ellen, this has been such a great conversation. And you know what? We've come to the end of our time together. So thank you for all your wisdom. Now, people need to know that they can go to your website, which is the School of Oracles, because that's where you offer so many of these programs. And uh, and people can actually contact you directly if they want readings, right? So you're available mm-hmm. still do that. And then there are all those you have a YouTube. Where do they go for the YouTube, oh, yes. Ellen? Oh, uh, right on YouTube and they could put in my, type in my name, Ellen Goldberg. Google Ellen Goldberg Palmistry YouTube and it'll take you there. Just uh, Google it. And um, yes, it's those those YouTube videos, those three miniature courses that I, I put out are a wonderful way to start. And if you see that something really catches you, there's enough there not only to make a good start with these subjects, but to know whether they spark something very special inside you. And you say, oh, I love this. And um, yeah. so... Well, let, I, be I, an I opening. Have, okay, I, and I'm so sorry, but we have like 10 seconds to go before I have to end the well, show. Well, then but I just want to Ellen, say I've loved it, Cheryl. I've loved it. Uh, me too, Ellen. It's been wonderful. I'd love to give you a big hug. <laughs> right to me. Oh, thank you. Here's a psychic hug coming right back to you. And people can write to me at alchemicalellen at Gmail. Okay, Alchemical Ellen at Gmail, School of Oracles. Ellen Goldberg, thank you so much for the many gifts you bring to all of us to the world at this time. Blessings to you and blessings to everyone listening. And until next week, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now. 